Moments of Encounter is a weekly live broadcast brought to you by Calvary We Revival Labors through God's servant Chidebele Odeze. The teachings are focused on building the church and raising men that will do exploits in this end time. You can connect live to Moments of Encounter every Tuesday by 6 p.m. West African time at www.mixlr.com forward slash Moments of Encounter. May you have a life-changing encounter as you listen. God bless you. divine love we are looking at the topic the dynamics of loving God let's read two passages quickly first one is Matthew 22 verse 35 to 38 the dynamics of loving God Matthew 22, 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, and saying, Master, 
which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Take note of that question that this lawyer asks Jesus. He asks him a question. What is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said the greatest commandment in the law is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Say, this is the first and the greatest commandment. This is the first commandment, and this is the greatest commandment. The sentence was repeated, the, the version of the same story by Mark. In Mark 12, you see the answer of Jesus to the same question in verse 29 and 30. And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. The dynamics of loving God. The first thing I want us to take note of about loving God is that it is a commandment. And it's not just a commandment. It is God's first commandment to man. First, the very first commandment that God gave to man is this. And then, it is not just first commandment. There are many commandments. It's also the greatest of all the commandments. So, both being the first commandments and being the greatest of all the commandments makes it a special commandment. But I want us to look at that commandment because that commandment did not say, Thou shalt love the Lord your God. Rather, the commandment said, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That is to say, it is possible for somebody to love the Lord his God, but not with all his heart, but not with all his soul, but not with all his mind, but not with all his strength. Apart from those that say that there is no God, every other human being that believes in God has some level of love for God. But what differentiates two lovers of God is in this attachment, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, 
with all your mind. Now, remember that Jesus was answering a question that the Pharisees, one of them, a lawyer, asked him. But I want us to know that even in the New Covenant, the New Testament, this very commandment remains unchanged. It is still the first and the greatest of all commandments of God. Loving God with all your heart. Loving God with all your soul. Loving God with all your mind and with all your strength. That is to say, loving God with everything you are, everything within you, and everything that can ever come out of you. Because your strength is what can come out of your body. Then your soul, we know your soul, your mind, your heart is your spirit. Both your spirit, your soul, and body, everything about you will be involved in loving God. That remains God's first and greatest commandment to me and to you. Now, when Jesus was giving the disciples the conditions of discipleship, he was talking to the multitude, but that's the same thing with the disciples. In John chapter 14, verse Luke 14, verse 25 and 26, the Bible said in that scripture, great multitude were following him, and he turned and said to them, you cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father, mother, brother, sister, and your own life also. He began to repeat that, that even for you, to be part of me, part of the new covenant even for you to be a disciple of me even for you to follow my steps you shall love me, you shall love God more than you love yourself, more than you love your father, you love your mother, you love your brothers, your sisters, your wife, your children and so on and so forth that is to say, the love you have for God must be a supreme love above any other love. Because love is one thing that is compared. And it is when you compare love that hatred comes out. Once you love something more than the other, other thing, or love a person more than the other person, the less loved become the hated. That's simple enough. And so Jesus was telling them that you cannot show me lesser love or you know, love me less than you love anybody or anything. So love is actually the main thing that makes us related to God in any way at all. Whether you those who lived in the old covenant or those of us in the new covenant, loving God is the main component of our relationship with God. Our salvation is based on God's love. And so our response to that salvation, our response to that love, must be that we must love him with all our heart. So what does it mean to love God with all your heart? What does it mean to love God with all your soul? What does it mean to love God with all your, all your mind, all your strength? You see, one thing about love is that love has to do with, first of all, the heart. And when the heart has been, you know, taken with love, every other thing within will follow. Proverbs 4 to 3 said, guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows all the what? 
issues of life. The heart is the main organ, the central point of a man. And that is talking about our spirit, the real person we are. And when you say you have loved God or you have loved anything, your heart must be on that. And, you know, when you want to know what a person has loved, check what he thinks about also. Shake what he spends his time doing. Shake what he always pay great attention to. What your time goes to, what your attention goes for, is actually the object of your love. And so when you say you have loved God with all your heart, and God is not the object of your time and attention, is a lie. You are not saying the truth. Your interest, your, your devotion, your commitment, your submission will be towards that which you have loved with all your heart. And now, the, the mark when it, it comes to God, what God will see in you or in me, and he will conclude that this person has loved me, is when we obey him. When we keep his commandments. They used to talk about love language. What is a love language? A love language is, you know, you now, there is something that when, when you begin to see it from me, then you will begin to feel that I have loved you. It differs from person to person. Some people, when you begin to, you know, serve them, that service you are giving them, is their love language. They feel loved because you are serving them. There are others when you start telling them sweet words of love. That words is what makes them feel loved. And so on and so forth. Some, some people, is when you touch them in a loving way. That's their own love language. But what is God's own love language? Obedience to his commandments. Eh? It's not sweet words of you know, I love you, Lord, or singing songs of love to him that makes him feel loved. Eh? What makes God feel loved is when we render total obedience to him in all things. And that is, you know, what it means that I have loved God with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my soul, with all my mind. Now, I want us to look at Jesus' example of loving God. First of all, look at John chapter 14, verse 30 and 31. John chapter 14, verse 30 and 31. John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 was a very long message that Jesus spoke to the disciple a night before his crucifixion. And so one of the messages is what I want us to look at in verse 30 and 31 of John 14. He said, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Jesus said, 
The prince of this world is coming. Satan is coming. But he has nothing in me. But I'm going to submit myself to the death of the cross for one reason, for one purpose. Because I have loved the Father. Say, but that the world may know that I have loved the, the Father. I am going to do exactly as the Father gave me commandment. That is to say, I'm going to show the world my love for the Father by doing what? By keeping the Father's commandment. The Father gave me a commandment to go and die for the sake of the sin of mankind. And I love him. That's why I want to obey him. It's not really because Satan and his agents, human agents and spirit agents, has any power over me. They cannot do anything to me. They have nothing in me. But I'm going to submit myself to be killed by men just because I want to prove to the world that I have loved the Father and I am obeying him. That is to say, you can never prove your love for God until you are ready to obey him. And it's only a man that has loved God with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his soul, with all his strength that can obey God at every point in time. It takes love for people, the Old Testament saints. We know them, Abraham, Enoch, Isaac, Jacob, and all of them, Isaiah, Jeremiah. When you reach their walk with God, you notice that it takes this loving God with all their hearts, mind and soul, and even strength for them to obey God. Whatever God asks them to do at any point in time, they are, if you read about Abraham, you notice that he doesn't waste time in obeying God. Let it not be that he has not heard from God. The moment he's hearing, go and do this. Go and sacrifice your only son. Go and circumcise every male in your... The moment he hears anything from God, he's doing that. And so, that's what, you know, how you can show that you have loved God. That's what it means to love God. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Let's read verse 3 together. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 together. For this is the love of God. This is the love of God. That is, this is what it means that a man has loved God. That we keep his commandments. The, to love God is to keep his commandments. He said, and his commandments are not grievous. His commandments are not difficult. The truth is that to keep God's commandments is not going to be difficult for a man that has loved God with all his heart. When you find it difficult to obey God in any area of your life, what it means is that, or what it implies is that you have not loved God with all your heart. You have not loved God with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. If you have loved God with all your heart, it will not be grievous for you to obey whatever God wants you to do. His commandments, they are not grievous. And in 2 John chapter 6, 2 John chapter 6, he repeated the same thing. He said, and this is love, that we walk after his commandments. What is love? Loving God means what? Walking after his commandments. Keeping his commandments. 2 John verse 6. Now, what are the marks of those 
that has loved God with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul. The first mark is that they are chasers of God. They chase after God. They go after God. That's simple enough for us to understand that what a man loves, he goes after. Yes. When you love a particular film, when you love a particular television program, you will always want to go after it. At that particular time they are showing that program, you want to go after it because you have loved it. David was a man that has loved God. And the Bible described him as a man after God's heart. You know the meaning of that? A man that is following after God's heart. He's chasing after God. He wants to know what is in the heart of God. He wants to do it. And so when you read some of his Psalms, Psalm 27 verse 4, he said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that is what I am going after, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to do two things. Number one, to behold the beauty of the Lord. Just to behold the beauty of the Lord. David, what are you going to the house of the Lord to do? I'm just going there to do what? To look at his face and keep looking. Beholding his beauty. Eh? Because the Lord is beautiful. And I love him. So I want to be in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And all the, all the moments. In a day you have hours, you have minutes, you have seconds. I want to be with him all the days of my life just beholding his beauty and what inquiring in his temple you know asking him questions to know him more and more to discover his will and to do it and in Psalm 42 he said as the deer panted after water brooks so my soul longed after you my soul my emotions my mind my heart my will is longing after something not after money not after certificate not after anything of this world material possession my soul is longing after God in Psalm 63 he said early will I seek thee early will I seek thee I want to see your glory and your power in the land of the living is a man that chased after God and the single reason was that that man has Love God with all his heart. Sometimes you see that some of us, we are struggling with our devotional life. Sometimes you notice that you are not, you know, flowing in your prayer life. When you see a man that has loved God with all his heart, with all his mind, soul and strength, that man does not struggle in his prayer life from January to December. Prayer is a flow because it's a delight. You want to communicate, you want to talk with the one that you have loved. Is it a burden for you to discuss with somebody that you have loved? No. When prayer becomes a burden, when quiet time becomes a problem, somebody says, I cannot do quiet time again, it's dry and all of that, it's a sign that you have not loved God with all your heart. Those that love God with all their heart, they flow in their devotional life. They don't struggle. They don't feel dry. They are always, you know, flowing with God because they have loved Him 
with all their heart. Their heart is always going after him in everything. What is another mark of those who have loved God with all their heart? They don't love the world. They hate the world. Eh? First John chapter 2 verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. Why? If anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He said, if any man, if you are a man and you love the world, what it means is that the love of God is not, that is, you don't love God. That is to say, you cannot love God and love the world at the same time. It is not possible for you to love the world way of dressing. It is not possible for you to love the world, worldly way of marriage, worldly way of life, their custom, their patterns. And at the same time, you say you love God. No. Those who love God, they are known for one thing again. They don't love the world. They love for the world, the, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. It's not in them. When you see the way believers these days are after the world, watching the film acted by the world, eh? listening to music that are composed and sung by the people of the world, you know, you see the way they, uh, they are mixing up the, wo- the world with Christianity. When you look at a Christian sister dress, he say, she says she's a Christian sister. But look at the style of her dress. Nakedness was not covered. And you, you can imagine, why, why do you like this kind of dress? Why do you like to dress like the world? The fashion of the world is in you. That is why such people... Look at them. Look at their spiritual life. Look at their devotional life. They are the people that the things of God does not push them, does not move them. Why? Their heart is not totally with God. Remember, you can love God, but not with all your heart. But that's not acceptable. That's not what God is looking for. He said, the commandment is one. The Lord your God is one. And he has one commandment. The first and the greatest. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart. You can't love God with all your heart and at the same time you love the world. No. It's not possible. So when you see worldliness in the life of a Christian, so to say, it's a mark that that Christian has not loved the Father. The Bible said so and it's true. But when you want to know those who have loved the Father, they don't dress like the world. They don't talk like, they don't desire the world. They don't want to be or copy the, the way of the world. What is the world? Who are the world? The world is anybody. Anybody at all. Whether the person say, I am born again or not. But the person is following or walking against God's word. Eh? The life of that person is contrary to the word of God. The way of life of that person is contrary to the word of God. Whether the person say, I am born again, speaking in tongues or not, as long as the person's way of life, as, as long as the person's lifestyle is against the word of God, that person belongs, is, is the world. They will always persecute the true Christians. Jesus said in uh, John chapter 15 verse 18, he said, do not be surprised if the world hates you. They will always persecute you. And James 4.4 4 said that friendship with the world is what? A enmity against God. And whoever makes himself a friend of this world has what? Made himself an enemy of God. 
So the world and God does not go the same way. They are two opposite ends that never meet. Eh? Two parallel roads that can never cross. So if you want to say you are loving God, you can never have any trace of the love of the world inside of you. If, if there is any trace like that, you can't say that you love God. So one mark of those who love God is that they have zero love for the world. They hate the world. What's another mark of those who love God? They are the people that serve God with passion, with zeal. Eh? Love and service are tied together. You know, I was wondering once upon a time, some time ago, I was like, why is it that we have two categories of Christians? Eh? There is this category of Christians, or let me be using the word believers, that, you know, they, they are born again, they are speaking in tongues, they come to fellowship, they attend discipleship class, they attend services, church services, and all of that. But there is no passion, there is no zeal to serve God, to do anything for God. Even when an instruction comes that we should fast, we should pray for some days, or we should go out for evangelism, they find it difficult to follow. They see it as a burden. I don't know whether you have seen such a Christian or such believers. They are there. In fact, sometimes when you put evangelism, that day they will, not, they will never surface. Eh? There is nothing inside of you. Ask them. Ask them. Do you have a day you are fasting, fasting in a week? Say no. Nothing moves them to fast. Have you come for personal set apart to seek the face of the Lord for a whole year? No. That one category of Christian. So, some time ago, I began to wonder, but there is this group of Christian again. Nobody asks them to go for morning cry. They carry their megaphone, sometimes with their mouth full, and they are going, preaching. Nobody is telling them, go for house to house evangelism. They are doing that. Nobody is moving them to do anything. For God, you see them on their own. Something is moving them from within. Nobody is asking them to go for set apart. They are not doing it to impress anybody. But you see them going to seek God. But you see some of us, we are just there. You do your business from Monday to Saturday, from month to month. You go to work, come back, you know, you attend the normal weekly, you know, programs and you are just there. I was asking the Holy Ghost, what is it that differentiates these two Christians some time ago? He said, the only difference is that one category has loved God with all their hearts. They have loved God with all their soul, with all their strength. And that is why when you love God, you see your heart always wanting to do what is pleasing to God. Always on your own. You know what they call zeal? Zeal is something that is internal. It is not something that people encourages you to do. It is not something that people say, eh, do it this way, do it this way. It is coming from within. Eh? Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, when the children of Israel were committing immorality in the wilderness, carried javelin 
and killed two people that were committing immorality in the camp. What is it that moved him to do that? What is it that moved him? Moses was there. Aaron was there. Hor was there. Joseph was um, Joshua was there. They did nothing. But look at a man that something, he was so passionate. And God said to Moses, I say thou shalt not kill, but I like this kind of killing. Eh? Because he understood exactly what my heart is yearning for. And he went ahead and did it. That's love for God. Moving you to become zealous for God. Some Christians are never, are never zealous. And they will never be zealous. Until they love God with all their heart. That's how they will just be there. They will just be nominal and normal. Eh? Sometimes you see them, they feel so nonchalant, so relaxed. There's nothing within. In fact, most of them, they are looking for what God will do for them. That's another mark. The mark of those that have loved God with all their heart, they are always looking for what to do for God. But those other people, they are always looking for what? Blessing. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Uh, how many nights of breakthrough? Three nights of breakthrough. This Sunday is anointing and miracle Sunday. When you are coming, come with your prayer points. They will prepare and come. That's they are, their concept of their relationship with God is God that always gives. They don't think about what they can do for God. They have zero love. Maybe they love God, but not with all their hearts. So if you want to know whether you have loved God with all your heart, take your passion. Check your zeal for God. Eh? Is there anything that God will demand from you now that you cannot do? And maybe I should at this point differentiate again between you know impressing God and pleasing God. Those who love God, eh? They, their ultimate goal, their ultimate desire is to please God. There's a difference between impressing God and pleasing God. What pleases God is obedience. But some people think that they can impress God by doing anything that you think God likes. So, let me say, in addition to what we have said about marks of those who love God, that they are men that pleases God, not those that are trying to impress God. You see, when you are doing so many things, there are times you see people, they want to do things for God, in the name of God, but not exactly what God wants them to do. In their heart, they believe that Okay, let me give you an example. Somebody say, I will be fasting four times in a week. It's good to do that. But this same person finished the fasting of the fourth day. That's what he decided to do. But on the fifth day, God now say, I want you to fast today. Are you seeing it? Now, because he thought that I have already fasted four days. This one, 
I will not be able to do it. So, he will begin to have problems to do the one that God is demanding. Are you getting what I'm talking about? You don't just do things if you love God. You don't just do things in the name of serving God. You do exactly what God wants you to do. So those who love God, they are the true servants of God. True servants in the sense that they discover exactly what God wants. And they do it. That's obedience. Not just doing anything that is religious. In the name of thinking that you are pleasing God. But praying when God wants you to pray. Assuming you wake up and you... That's, you don't have any plan to fast. That's not the day of your fasting. And then as you are doing your quiet time that morning, the Holy Ghost just tell you you are going to fast today. That's when your test, your love for God is under test. And then you finish that fasting that day. As you are trying to relax, to eat food the following morning, the Holy Ghost say, today again, the second fast. And you know, He will not tell you that earlier so that you will prepare your mind. That's the way you prepare your mind and tie your stomach that you know, today no food. For this one, your stomach is not tied. Your mind is ready to receive food. And he just came at the point you are about to bring out food to eat and say, no food today. That's when your love for God is being tested. Whether you will obey him and please him at that time or not. Again, you know, some time ago, I I was led to do a two days fast to seek God. So this kind of fasting is not the kind that you'll be going here and there walking. That one is also a kind of fast. But this one to be indoor alone with him. And I prepared for that and I was there. When I finished the fast the second day, it was the first and the second of a month like this. Just like today is the first of the month. When I finished the fast and the second day and the all that happened in that, what I heard from God is that this fasting and prayer and remaining indoor is going to continue like this for the, next, for the rest of the month. It's a test. I never prepared to carry it throughout like that for the whole of the month. But when that instruction came and I, I was like, this is what God wants. I said, here am I, let's go. And from that third of that month to the 31st of that month, I was indoor. I only, you know, come out in the night to break the fast for the day. And then go back again to come back, come out again the following night. Ask yourself, if it is you that God asks to do this kind of thing, will you be able to do it? See, loving God with all your heart is not true. If you have not loved God with all your heart, you have not. You know it. There are things that God will ask you to do now. You will not be able to do it. You find it difficult. Through of us. That's why we are looking at it today. So that we will come to that point where you will love God with all your heart. And you are ready to drop anything that God says drop. You are ready to do anything that God is saying do. Amen. 
Why do we need to love God with all our hearts? Why? What are the reasons? Of course, we have seen that that's God's demand is a commandment. For us, New Testament believers is a condition for discipleship. For you to be a disciple, you have to meet that condition. Anyone who has not loved God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, is not a disciple of Christ. He's not. He will be disappointed on the last day. Because there's no way you will not be a disciple and you expect him on that day. Say, my, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. What other reasons why do we need to love God with all our hearts? Let's read John chapter 14 verse 21. John 14, 21 said, He that has my commandment and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Jesus is talking. And he said, And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If any man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our home, our abode with him. God loves everybody, including non-believers. That's God's general love. That's why he gave us his only begotten son, to die on the cross. There's a love that Jesus was talking about here. It's not that general love. He said, he that has my commandment and keep them, that's the one that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my father. So it's not the general love that God so loved the world. This one is what? A special love. Those who love God with all their hearts, and they are keeping his commandments. John 15, 14. John 14, 15. Look at John 14, 15. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So, it's a proof. Those who love God, and they are keeping his commandments. Eh? They attract God's special love. Look at it now. He said, my father will love him. And I will love him. Special love. And what will that special love do? I will reveal myself to him. The revelation of Christ will be coming to you in a special way. The revelation of Christ in the word of God, you know some of us, you wonder why you don't have revelation when you read Bible. Eh? It's because you have not loved God with all your heart. So you cannot see Jesus in the pages of the scripture. You will read a passage ten times and you will not see Christ. Another person will read it and see Christ. What's the difference? Check your love for God. Do you love God with all your heart? You just keep wondering. You keep shouting. Why is it that I have read this passage several times? I didn't see this. You can't see it. Because 
it is only those that have this special love that gets special revelation of Christ. When Jesus said that, the Bible said Judas, and he was careful to tell us that he's not Iscariot, because that particular kind of Judas does not ask this kind of question. Yes, that's why he has to clarify that when I say Judas, ask him, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Judas has loved something else and we know what he has loved. And that's the problem with many of us. We are among the disciples. We are always there in the church. We are, but our heart is not with him. There is something else that you have loved. Eh? With your heart. Now, when he asked that question, Jesus said again, if a man loves me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him. And we, we, that is me and my father, we will come unto him and make our home with him. That is, your life will become a home of God. When God wants to visit people, he will come out of your life, which is his home, to visit people. When somebody is saying, Lord, I want to know you, what is the address of your home? He will tell you, his brother, so so and so, that's go to him, that's where you're going to meet me, because that's where I'm living. Eh? He comes out of your life to visit people. When he finishes visiting people, he returns back to his house. He said, We will come and make our home with him. What is a home? You can go to work. When you finish going to work, what do you, where do you return? You return back to your home. It's a place where you live. It's a place where you are you are settled. God said, Your life will be my home. If you will love me with all your heart. It's a beautiful thing to love God with all our heart. Because that's when you know what fellowship with God, the real fellowship with God is. The deep fellowship with God is. When we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, that's when you know, we will enjoy God's promises, especially in the New Testament. Every promise that God made for us in the New Testament is attached under a condition. That condition is that it is for those that have loved God. I want us to read Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans chapter 8. Verse 28 said, And we know that all things work together for good. That's old King James. I want to read it from um, from NIV Romans 8, verse 28. Look at that verse from NIV. NIV said, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. In all things. All things. In mathematics, that's what we call universal set. And then inside universal set, you have subsets. 
All things is universal set. Inside the universal set, you have subset of good things and bad things. Eh? I met a brother praying that he was praying a birthday prayer for somebody over the phone. And he prayed that he will never see trouble all the days of his life. After the when I overheard it, so after the call, I told him, brother, this prayer you prayed for this person is not a good prayer. It's not a good prayer. In fact, it's not a realistic prayer. We don't pray for trouble and trouble comes, two of us. Even when you pray that trouble will not come, your prayer will be answered. So why are you, you are not read? You are telling somebody you will never see trouble all the days of your life. And the person will be telling you, amen. No. Trouble is needed for our making. I hope you know that. You know that. That God makes us to become what he wants us to be out of the crucible of troubles. It's not sounding good. I know you don't like me for that. But truth is bitter. Sometimes you have to swallow it. Eh? Yes. That's the scripture. In our preparation to be what God wants us to be, to do what God wants us to do, there are times negative things must happen to you. Eh? That's why we have day and night. In the night, you have darkness. God did not only create light so that light will shine. Whether you like it or not, light will shine for a time. Darkness will come. Combination of light and darkness makes... That's how it is. For you to know that some troubles will still come to you tomorrow. The evidence is that some troubles came to you yesterday. Eh? So, but what differentiates those who love God and those who doesn't love God was that is that whenever the subset of bad things happens, eh? What happens? God will get into work to make sure that even that which is bad or negative that happens to you. He works out good for you. He said, in all things, God will work for the good in all things. In good things, in bad things, in positive things, in negative things, God is at work for those who love him. Not for everybody. Don't say, we know that God is working for everybody. It's not true. Read your Bible well. In all things, God will work for those who love him. If you don't love God with all your heart, God will not work for you in, any, in anything. But if you love God with all your heart, in, even in that thing that looks negative, that thing that seems bad is at work. He's going to turn everything to be for your good. That's why it's, 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 it's important you love God. Because when you love God, God will be working for your good always. Whatever happens, Eh? There are times you will meet disappointment, isn't it? You don't want it, but it happens. There are times something may happen and that may, may discourage you. You don't want it, but it happens. But in that discouragement, in that disappointment, in that negative thing, if you love God, God is at work. And that's how you know that you love Him. Because at the end of the day, you notice that 
everything will turn out for your good. That's why you need to be a man that has loved God, a woman that has loved God. Because everything, everything happens to everybody. Eh? But the difference between those who love God and those who doesn't love him is that those who love God, that same thing that is negative will turn out to become good at the end of the day. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 and 10. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Take note of that verse 9. That God has a very unique plan that he has made for everyone that has loved him. He said, those who love God, what God has prepared for them, I has not seen it. Ear has not heard it. It has not entered into the heart of man. Eh? When God, when you love God, eh? with all your heart, there's something that will happen about your life. You will notice that what God will do with you in your lifetime is not what he has done with any man before. Eh? I'm not talking about ministry alone. Even as a businessman, God will use you to either introduce a new business that has not entered into the heart of man before you. Or, in that old business, he will give you wisdom to do it in a way that no man has ever done it. And that becomes the anchor point for him to prove to the whole world that this man loves him. Eh? Eyes has not seen. Ears has not heard. That's why I don't think you are getting it right when you are copying what people are doing whether in the ministry or in business or you know some of us if you say you love God there must be an originality of God God is a creator that creativity that ingenuity eh, of God must be seen around your life there must be a uniqueness of things around you that is coming forth it's not the way everybody is doing that that you will do your own because God God has not finished creating and is in you to create eh? eyes has not seen you will be an inventor of new things new ways because you have loved God so if you keep looking at you know some of us you are so limited by your mind. When God is asking you to do something or putting a body or a vision in your heart, some of us, because of your limitation, you are checking. Has anybody done this kind of thing before? Is there any man of God in the history or in our contemporary that has done this before? 
Is there any woman of God that has done it this way? You are trying to limit God. When God is bringing that originality, that, you know, that unique thing, say, eyes has not seen, ears has not heard, it has not entered into the heart of any man. What God is, has prepared for, not for everybody. Read your Bible carefully. For those that love him. So, when you love God with all your heart, I want to tell you, the word of God, God of God, he will surely manifest around your life in a unique way. Maybe that is why you, your, your marriage is being delayed. Eh? Because you want to come out in a unique way through in your marriage. But all you just need to do, I keep telling brothers and sisters, remove your heart from these things that are passing away. The world and the things they are in, they are passing away. One day we reach, you will notice that you can't lay hold on any of these things. Even marriage will go. The only thing that you will be seeing is God and you. Coronavirus lockdown taught us a lesson. Because in the corona lockdown, you notice that the only person you have in this life is your life, uh, your, uh, your God and your family. You can't go to church. You can't go to business. You can't go to school. Don't, just you and your family. It's a lesson. Yet many of us don't want to learn. As soon as there is a lockdown, you are rushing out again. You are so strongly. One day you, it will be a permanent lockdown. Yeah? Yeah? You, know, you know it will happen. The world will end now. That's the Bible. It's not a matter of whether you like it to end in your time or not. It will end in somebody's time. Somebody will be born the day rapture will take place. Are you getting me? And that person has a destiny too. Are you, are you, are you getting me? So what we are saying is that you must learn to follow a, that unique plan. You see, eyes have lost in bed. God has revealed them to us by his spirit. The deep things of God, deep. Why are you dwelling in shallow, shallow, shallow waters? Look at your Bible. There are, there are things that are called shallow things of God. And there are ones that are called what? The deep, deep. Please read it. Read it. Verse 10. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searched all things. Yeah. The what? There are two types of things of God. Number one is what? Shallow things of God. Number two is what? Deep things of God. Some of us have not gotten into this depth. Because our, we have not loved him with all our hearts. It's for those that love him. The spirit of God will guide you into that depth. That unique way God wants to manifest through you. And I, can, I, I keep warning us. Keep looking at him. Stop looking at history. You go and re, uh, Well, history is good. But don't be tied to history. That the way God manifested through John Wesley is the way he's going to manifest through you. So when you finish reading about John Wesley, you are trying to replicate John Wesley now. You don't know what you are doing. Or you read about Charles Finney or Catherine Kuma and you want to you want God to manifest your generation number one. Is he dissenting with your generation? No. There is that uniqueness that God wants to bring out through you. 
Don't allow limitation of mind to limit you. Is another topic anyway, maybe for another day. But what I want us to take note now is that we need to love God with all our heart so that we can get into that manifestation of the unique things that God has planned for our life. I don't know whether that point is clear. Is that clear? Go to James chapter 1 verse 12. Why do we need to love God with all our heart? James chapter 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. The crown of life was not promised to everybody. Excuse me, please. Not everybody will wear the crown of life. In fact, if you go to chapter 2, verse 5, look at chapter 2, verse 5. Say, how can my beloved, James 2, 5, has not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and he has of the kingdom which he has promised to them that love him. The kingdom that God has promised is not to every human being. The crown of life that the Lord has promised is not for everybody. It's for those that love him. That's why you must get into that state of loving God with all your heart. So that you will not run this race and at the end of the day you will lose the crown or you miss the crown. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. And permit me to say at this point that it's only a man that loves God that can endure temptation. No, no, no. You cannot. You cannot endure persecution. Eh? They will come and arrest you for the sake of the Lord. They will put you in prison, deny you food for the sake of the Lord. You cannot endure it now. You can't endure suffering. You can't endure tribulation. You can't endure hatred. For the sake of the Lord. You can't. It's only the man that has loved the Lord. That can endure temptation. That can endure persecution. That's why it's only him that will receive the crown of life. It takes loving God. To, the strength, the capacity. To endure persecution, temptation. Whatever that is coming from Satan and the world against you. Because of your faith in Christ can only be endured when you have this fervent love for God. So I don't know whether you want the crown of life or you want to be counted among those that ran the race but without a crown. Why do we need to love God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind? It is because it's only a man that has loved God that has the capacity of serving God. Yes. When you read Luke 16 verse 13, you hear Jesus saying, No human being can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or he will love one and despise the other. Say you cannot serve God. And mammon. Let's read it together. I say, no servant can serve what? 
two masters, it's not possible. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold on to one and despise the other. He said, you cannot serve God. And what? And mammon. What is mammon? Mammon is the spirit behind money and material wealth. Materialism. Spirit of materialism. If you read the same thing in Matthew, Matthew 6, 24, repeated the same thing, but there is a little difference between them. In Luke 6, 16, 13, he said, no servant. In Matthew 6, 24, he said, no man. No man can serve two masters. Are you a man? You have no capacity to serve two masters. It's not possible. Says Jesus. You, if you like, you can deceive yourself. But Jesus has told us that it's not possible. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Now look at it. Why is it that it's not possible for a man to serve two masters? Why? Because once you don't love one, you can't serve that one. That is to say, service is depending on what? Love. So, you can't say, I want to serve God. God, use me. When you have not loved him. Our service to God is a product of our love for him. Eh? That's why some of us are zealous. You want to discover what God wants you to do and do it. Some of us are not because you don't love God. It's difficult for you to go out for evangelism and preach the gospel. Maybe in the marketplace. Because you don't love God. You love yourself more than you love God. So you are thinking about yourself. You are not thinking about God. It's not possible for a man to serve God when he has not loved God with all his heart. Whatever you are calling service is not acceptable. You say you cannot serve God and mammon. Look at, he didn't even call Satan. God and what? Mammon. God and money. God and material things. God and material possessions. Eh? If I want to know whether this person is my servant or this uh, person's servant, you know it's very easy to know. Eh? Just let two of us call this person to come at the same time. I will say, yes, brother, come here. There's something I want you to do for me. By this time, maybe 6, 6 p.m. And then at the same time, I'm calling him. This other person is saying, yes, you are my servant. Come here. There's something I want you to do. Where do you think he will go? Eh? To his master. To the person that is his master. That's where he will actually go. Eh? Many of us are not servants of God. I hope you know. It's so clear. You know why? What you will do for money, you can't do it for God. It's so clear now. The last time you attended the search class, you came late. But if it is money, there's money attached. Eh? That if you come early, you will have 5,000. What do you think will happen? You will not come late because of money, but because of God, 
you will come late. Forget these things we are doing. The day you will repent, the true one, to be a true servant of God, even you yourself, you will know. The kind of energy and commitment you are putting to that your business, to that your academics, why is it that you have not put it to the, to the taste of God? Eh? I challenge some disciples one day. I said, you that you have not finished your Bible, if it is on ground that anybody who finishes Bible will have 50,000 naira on your account the day you are finishing Bible, how many times will you have finished Bible? You love money. You are serving money. Money. Any, anywhere money said, do this and you will get me. You will go for it. You are not going for what will make you to get God. You are not lawyer. Jesus says it's not possible. Excuse me, you are not a servant of God. You are a servant of mammon. Because your, your devotion, your commitment, the way you go about things that will give you money and material things and fame and position and power, you don't do it for God. You don't do it to get God. Even some of us that are looking for power. Simon the sorcerer. You know he was baptized too. He was born again. Following the following Philip. But what was his desire? Is he for God or for power? That thing that Simon did is what some of us are doing. You will go for seven days. You are looking for power, for anointing. It's not God you are looking for. Once you get power and anointing, you are okay. For yourself, for your own glorification. That's why so, those people, they don't last. Because what will make you to last in this race and see God finally is what? Your love for God. When all the ships are down, you will see that those who will keep selling, those who will keep moving, are those who have loved God. Look at campus students that are graduating every year. Eh? All this... I love you, God. I follow you, God. They will finally enter into NCCF family house. But after that one year, what do you notice? Just open your ear. One year after service, you are hearing stories of those who are dropping, backsliding. You know? And then two years, three years, four years, five years, those who keep selling are those who truly love God with all their hearts. So marriage, that's what they love, marriage. Anything, marriage, they are interested. When you are preaching about holiness, they are sleeping. Once you start relationship and marriage talk, ah, sleep. They will never sleep in that message. They are so interested in marriage. And the day they will get married, their Christianity will just end. Because they won't do anything again. They have achieved the goal of their life. God is not their goal. Eh? What do you love? That's what you will be serving. That's where your devotion will go. Your service will be going there. The reason why you are, you know, doing all of this. Oh my God. You know, we are not permitted to judge men because actually, we don't know so many percentage of a man. Eh? You can see somebody doing so many things in the name of serving God. He will be doing this one. He will go to youth ministry. He will be serving in the youth ministry. He will join student ministry. He will join the adult ministry. He will be doing this. But you may not even know that there is a particular motive. There's a particular purpose. There's a particular reason why he is doing all of that. When Jesus was rebooking the Ephesians church, 
in Revelation chapter 2. He said, I know your works. Ah, you are very zealous. You are, you are even patient. You are doing so many things. You, are, you have stood for me. But when he finished all of that, he said, but there is something I have what? Against you. What is that thing? Your love. Your first love has gone cold. You don't love me again. All these activities you are carrying out is not out of love for me. I know those who love me. All these things you are doing, I know it, but they don't show that you love me. Eh? So you can even be, be doing so many things. Like we have seen that Paul was writing in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, you know, if, if I, I give my body to be burnt, you can, you can go to that extent, but yet don't have love for God. So we must love God because that is that is the that should be the driving force of our service. Eh? What is it that we are looking for? Okay, you are looking for fame. You are looking for popularity. You are looking for for honor. For what? So when these things does not come, will you continue to serve God? It is only love for God that we watch out those who last with God. Because even when God will come to discipline you, do you remember Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5? Say, those that he loves, he does what? He displays. So sometimes the loving hand of God, when, when it's coming upon you, is coming with what? A hammer of discipline. Those that will endure that discipline and let God work out what he wants to work out of their life are still those who love God. Amen. How do we really love God with all our hearts? Eh? I don't want to talk about or say how do we increase our love for God. I think there's nothing like that. Maybe there is. But permit me not to talk about increase or increment. What God asks us to do is to love Him with what? All our hearts. All our mind. All our soul. Somebody asked a question. I said, God said, Husband, love your wife. And the same God said, You shall love me with all your heart. And the question is, If I love you with all my heart, with which heart will I use to love my husband and my wife? Because I have to love my wife as you told me. But you have said I should love you with all my heart. Which heart will I now use to love my wife? Have you wondered at that before? God is not accepting anything apart from all your heart. You must take note of that. Anything you are presenting as love for God, but is not with all your heart, is not acceptable. You know, some of us don't understand that God is very digital in nature. In digital world, you consider zero or one. If it's not zero, it must be what? It's not analog. Our mind is analog wired. That's why you say, hey, I think I'm trying in loving God. You know, at least I've loved God with 99% of my heart. It's just this 1% that remains. That's not acceptable. As long as it's not all your heart, you have not, God is not seeing you as, you are not in the number of those that loved him. It must be with all your heart. How will a husband love his wife? 
How will I love my neighbor as myself? How will I love people or the brethren as Christ loved them? When I have loved God with all my heart. Eh? And then, as I'm saying, Lord, you know that I love you. You say, yes, I know that you love me. Now love your wife. So my love for my wife will not be based on the fact that she is beautiful or that she's intelligent or that she's uh, hardworking, but just because I love God and I, I want to do what? Obey God. God say you love me. I say, yes, I love you. Then love, love your wife. Oh, ah, I'm going to love you, my wife, because I have loved God and God has commanded me to love you. So my love for you is as a result of my obedience to God, which is as a result of my love for God. Not because you are emotional, you know, you are attracting me, or I, all those things are not, these are unbelievers' life. What do I call that? God at this. Life of unbelievers. The same thing with loving your enemies, loving the brethren. The reason why you will love that your enemy and seek peace, pursue peace, is not about that person. It's because the person you loved has said, do you love me with all your heart? You say, yes, love your enemy. Then you go to your enemy and say, ah, I love you. Take this banana, it's my gift for today. Why are you buying gifts, doing good to that your enemy? Because you love God and God say love. So the love you have for men, for anything at all, is as a result. Is what? A secondary manifestation of your love for God. If that is not happening in your life, you are not a true Christian. You don't know what divine love is. Divine love is a, a love for people that is a product of your love for God. That's divine love. Not a love you directly love people. This direct love is that you look at this sister. I like the way she's behaving. I like the way she is looking. I like her, her intelligence. I like her voice. Everything is you. And then you made a choice to marry her as a wife. Ah, those who love God are those who hear God. And God said, marry this sister. He said, ah, but I don't like her face. But she said, you love me. That's those who love God. That's divine love. This thing that we are equaling and competing with unbelievers, I don't know how far it will take us. Eh? If we are Christians, we must, we must be different. Our life must show it. Our love must show it. We can't love the way they love. The way of our own love is to love people through God. Don't love people directly. Write it down. The way of our love is to love people through God. You must go through God. Your love will not go directly. Once your love goes directly, it will be to start doing selective. It's human love. Your love must go through God and come down. So when it is coming down through God, it's actually the love of God that is now coming down. Not your love. And it will, you notice that it will spread across everybody. But if it is that your love, I used to describe it this way, that human love is like a spoon of water. Spoon. When you give it to one brother, eh, that brother will take that spoon and drink and say, it's not even enough. But God's love is 
an ocean of water, an ocean. So what 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 is he expecting us to do? Carry that your spoon, eh? Pour all of them into the ocean. Are you getting it? Now that ocean can feed every man in this world, enemy and friend. But when they are testing that ocean of water, which is God's law, eh? They will be testing your own, no matter. Are you getting it? Because once that spoon of water enters, it will it will touch every part of that world. That's what God wants us. To. He wants us to love Him with all our heart, and then you will notice that divine love, His own love, will start flowing through you to every brother, to every sister, and all these attachments and all of that that unbelievers are doing and believers have started. We end so that we can have true experience with Him. So what are the ways we are to love God with all our hearts? Let me mention three quickly. I don't know whether I have enough time to look at them in details. Number one, First John chapter 4 verse 16 said, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Eh? For us to be able to love God with all our hearts, love God the way we should, love God supremely, we must have a full revelation knowledge, not head knowledge, of the love of God for our life. Of course, we have been dealing with this for some uh, weeks now, understanding divine love, experiencing divine love, and we saw that this is how God manifested his love to, to us. He sent his only son to die for us. Now, when we come to know his love, eh, it will move us to love him. First John chapter 4, 19 said, we love him because he first loved us. First John 4, 19. We love him. The reason why we can even love him at all is because he has first what? So, if we don't experience his love, if we don't know his love, it will be difficult for us to give his love. You get it? Whether we are giving it back to him or we are giving it back to others. So that's one way. And when you look at how much did God love us? How much? When you read John 17, 23, you see where Jesus was talking to the Father, talking to God, concerning the disciples. He said, I in them and they in me, that the world will know that you have sent me. And that you have loved them just as you have loved me. That is to say, the extent of love that you have for me is the same extent of love you have for them. It takes the revelation to see that the way God loved Jesus, the degree to which God loved Jesus, the extent of love that God has for Christ Jesus is the same extent of love he has for me. Only revelation of the Holy Spirit will, will, will grant you this. And when it happens to you, it can is enough to change your life. Is enough for you to know that as long as the love that God has for me is the same kind of love, the same level and extent of love He has for Christ, you will relax, and then you have to reciprocate it. You just naturally reciprocate it. Let's look at the death of Jesus on the cross. He died. 
a shameful death. Is out of love that he died for us. Of course, when we know what he suffered on the cross for our sake, when we know how he gave his life, when we know how he endured all hostilities that the sinners and the persecutors inflicted on him, then that's enough to move us. That's a hymn that says, I died for you. I love you. I gave my life. What have you done for me? What is it that, how are you reciprocating it? Amen. So, if we got to know that, that physical suffering, I was ministering to a sick sister recently. And I was telling her that Jesus was beating that nine strokes. Not cane, not the word the cane we do. Eh? If you watch Passion of Christ, you understand the kind of um, stripes that he was beaten with. 39 of it. And I told him that medical science did a research and came out without knowing, came out with categorizing human diseases into 39 categories. They said, after researching how many sickness does human beings suffer? They discover that all human diseases can be categorized into 39 categories. Nothing more, nothing less. And you notice that one category of sickness, one strike. Perfectly paid. Somebody was beaten. I told the sister that you don't have to be sick again. Because somebody has... I say, look at the Bible. If the Bible is not true, tell me. Say, by his stripes you are healed. Eh? It has been paid. Somebody suffered. The Bible says he was wounded for my transgression. Excuse me, he died for me. You need to see that when they were nailing his hand and his leg, eh? it was my sin that was actually nailing him. Eh, that hammer that was it was actually my sin your sin that was nailing him. Such a man that can love us to that extent. Is he not worthy of our love? When the revelation of this love comes to you, I don't know why you will still withhold your life from even dying for him. Eh? I don't know what will cost me after meditating on what he suffered, what he passed through. Why I will, I will be, you know, you know some of us, we don't want to give our all to him. I can't forget a lady that told me that I want to give my life to Christ though. I want to be born again, but I don't want all that too much born again. I want something that is a bit moderate. Moderated born again. She's vocal, she's bold to express herself. But that's what so many people are doing. And they will not say it with their mouth, but... Their life, their, the way they are following this Christianity is expressing it. They, they are not all out. They are reserving some part of their strength. Clap for the Lord, they will not clap. Sing well, they will not sing. Let's go for mission, they will dodge. They will find the excuse. They can't serve God. Because you have not seen how much that he has loved you. 
You have not seen what made it to leave the glories of heaven to come down and suffer. If you see it, then your, your, your mentality, everything will change. The knowledge of his love brings that uh, revelation to us that will help us to love him the way he loved us. Now, one more. You know that Jesus cried on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You remember? And if you have studied Jesus very well, you will notice that that is the only time he called God my God. What he has been calling God all the while is what? My father. 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 It was only at, at that time in the cross that he changed from my father. My father. You know why? At that time he was hanging on the cross. Eh? He lost fellowship with the father. Eh? That fellowship that he has enjoyed from eternity past to that point, it was not easy for him. That was why he was crying at Gethsemane. Saying, oh God, is there no other way these people can be saved without drinking this cup? Because he knew the consequence of drinking that cup. That cup is the cup that contained a compressed iniquity of the past, the present, and the future human beings that we live on the on, on, on earth. The past, the present, and the future human being. Everything was compressed. How God did it, I don't know. He compressed all the iniquities into I don't know how dirty that you know liquid in that cup was. And he was showing it to him. As a matter of fact, there was a cup actually. It was not a parable. It's only that it's an invisible cup. The father brought the cup and you know was presenting it to him and said, Drink. Before you go to the cross, drink. And he looked into the cup, he shouted, and said, What? I didn't know that is to this extent. So I'm going to drink this. And the most important thing is that if he drinks it, eh, from that point, he will lose fellowship with the Father. That was the problem. The greatest thing that Jesus suffered on the cross is not physical death. It's not the um, crown of thorns. The greatest suffering that Jesus passed through is that loss of fellowship. And that is what we call spiritual death. Hell, hell. You know what they call hell? Hell is the only place. Eh? Hell, hellfire, is the only place in the whole universe where God's presence is not. Is not. And that is what happened to Christ on the cross. So the death of Christ, the, the value of that death actually is not the suffering, it's not the beating, it's not the slapping. Eh? But the fact that he suffered hell. The suffering we are supposed to suffer in hell is the act, the suffering of loss of God's presence. Are you getting it? He earlier said in John chapter 8 verse 29, he said, 
he that sent me is with me. Eh? He has not left me alone. The Father has not left me. Because I always do those things that are pleasing to him. John 8, 29. He has never left me alone. For that three and a half years, he's with me. Even before that three and a half years, when I was in eternity, all through, I was with him. But I'm about to lose it. It was so serious that he doesn't want to lose it. And that's what happens to us. Eh? Anytime you fell into sin, eh? you know what has happened? You, are, you have lost fellowship with him. Jesus was so conscious of that. He doesn't want to lose it. He was like, must I lose this fellowship with you before I die? He said, for their sake. So the man has to drink the cup and suffer hell for six hours hanging on the cross. So that I will not suffer the same hell. That's the extent of his love. Eh? I don't want to go into issue of losing fellowship, but First John chapter one verse five says, "God is light." This is the message we have from the beginning. God is light. In Him, there is no darkness at all. So, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship. We have fellowship with Him, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us for what? For what iniquities? I don't know whether you know the meaning of that scripture. What it means is this. When we are walking in obedience to the word of God that God has revealed to us, we are walking in the light. And that's when we are walking in fellowship with God. Are you getting it? We are in a living fellowship with God. At that point. But the moment we know that God said, do not lie, and we are lying, we are no longer in fellowship. Now that scripture says, when we are walking in fellowship with God, the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sins. What is the sin is referring to? These are the sins that we don't know about. But they are there. But because you are walking in the light of the one you know, the blood of Jesus will be taking care of that one. As if it is not there. Then you now wake up tomorrow morning and say, Holy Ghost, quiet time. He will reveal to you and say, do you know that the way you have been greeting people is not good? You shout, you cry, you repent. You have seen the light now. You have to start walking in that light. But before that day, that sin is there in your life. But how is it that God will not count it against you? Because you don't know. And the blood of Jesus is what? That's why you can, you can walk in fellowship with God even when there is this sin in your life. Because you are not you are, you are ignorant of it, and the blood of Jesus is cleansing you from all sin. That was the scripture that says, If we say we have no sin, that have no sin is the sin you don't know. Believers have pastorized that verse, trying to make it look as if you know we are all sinners, we are we don't have sin. Even the Bible says we say we have no sin. No, it's talking about the sin you don't know, which you will you will get to know tomorrow when you go for set apart. And God will show you, look at the way you are behaving. It's not good. Then you repent and change. But why before why you are you are you are yet to see that light? You are supposed to do what? To keep walking in the light of, of the truth. And the blood of Jesus will be taking care of that. I'm explaining this because some of us, 
when you are, let's say you offend somebody, or somebody offend you, or you know, that is broken. We are not too quick to repent. We are not too quick to apologize because we are not conscious of this fellowship. That's why you can carry malice for seven days. A husband and a wife. You don't talk to yourself. Eh? And for a whole day, no fellowship with God. Of course. But Jesus was afraid of losing this fellowship. For a moment. And just because of us. But we, we will willingly do your head like this. The other person will do his head like this. And let me leave that topic for another day. But I want us to know that that knowledge of God's love, what Jesus passed through on the cross, if he done on us well, it will change us. Number two. We have seen Luke 16, 13 that said, what did he say? You cannot serve God and mammon. That is to say, if you love money, if you love the word, first John 2 uh, yeah, said, so for us to love God eh, with all our hearts, the way God is expecting from us, we need to hate the world, reject the love of money, love of mammon. As long as our heart is after these things, you cannot. So one way, one way to show and to love God is to hate the world. Because if anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you love money, you cannot love God. If you love mammon, you cannot love God. The love of money is the root of all evil. The love of God is the root of what? Or what? All righteousness, all goodness. And of course, somebody can love money and still be preaching about love of money. That people should not love money. That he himself loves money. It's about the heart. Take your heart. Ask yourself question. How do I pursue the things of God? And the things that concerns money. How? Cross check. Compare. Jesus said to Peter, If you love me, feed my sheep. Why is he talking to him like that? He said, Do you love me more than this? He told him, Stay. Wait until the promise of the Father. He said, I go and fish. Why is he going and fish? He wants money. So when he came, he said, Do you love me more than this? That's the same question which he's asking us. Do you love me more than this? Check those this around your life. Your own may not be fishing, but there is something you have gone up. Peter said, I go out fishing. Because his heart is not with God. His heart is with fishing and money that will come out of it. Then let me talk about this finally. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 47. Luke 7 verse 47 says, Wherefore I say unto you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Jesus brought out a principle here of loving much or increasing your love for God. I don't want to go into the story. 
but let me just concentrate on the principle. He said, when a man is forgiving small sin, that man will love small. But when a man is forgiving much, a lot of sin, that man will do what? Will love much. So what, what are we going to do? We need to go and commit big sin, okay? So that after committing bigger sin, he will now forgive us, forgive us uh, much, and then we now love much. No, we have already had a lot enough sin. We have sinned enough. Even now, we are still sinning. You don't know. Check all the sins you have committed already before you got born again. Are they not enough? You want to sin more? Check the one we are sending now. Do you know the one we are sending now? When you read James chapter 4 verse 17, he says that anybody who knows what is good and fails to do it, that person is what? So that person is a sin. Read Romans chapter 14 verse 23. He said, he that does not... Okay, the last part said... Whatsoever that is not coming from faith is a sin. So anytime you doubt, you have what? Committed sin. Check Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 that says rejoice always. And I say to you rejoice. Anytime you are not rejoicing, eh? what are you committing? Sin. Look at verse 6 that says don't worry about anything. But pray about anything. Any moment you start worrying, what are you committing? Sin. Should I continue? We are sinning much even now. So much. If you go to the toilet and urinate, after urinating in the toilet, you know you are supposed to flush it and you did not flush it. You know that that small water used to flush it did not flush it well, you know. Instead of you to go and get enough water and flush it well, you walk away. The next thing you are speaking in tongues. To him that knoweth what good he's supposed to do and doeth it not, to him is a sin. He that is forgiving much, loveth much. Do you know how much we are sinning and how much we have sinned and he is forgiving? That knowledge, being aware, of that eh, will make you to know that ah, this God has loved me so much and he's kept forgiving me. I must love him. And that will also make us to have compassion. Because you know you are sinning. Eh? Sometimes when I look at my children misbehaving, I have compassion on them. Because when I look at those things they are doing very well, I will see that these are the things I was doing when I was unbeliever. So I'm, I'm actually the one that gave them this thing. So, <laughs> you know, you, will not be, you have to be merciful on, towards them because you are part of their problem. Your human nature gave birth to their human nature and they are suffering from that human nature. So as you are trying to correct them and beat them, you must do that in love. Knowing the fact that you contributed to this problem, trusting God that they will, you know, all get transformed. 
Are you getting it? So, what are we talking about? When you know how much you have sinned and how much you are still sinning, and what the blood of Jesus is doing for you now, you will know that it is love. Sometimes somebody will do something that will pain you. You don't know that you have done greater one that has pained God. Eh? And you will find it difficult. That same way you are is paining you that this person did not obey you or did not do what you wanted to do the way you want it. That's the way God is very angry with you. That the way you asked you to do this, you did not do you did it obey, not the way you wanted to do it. You spoil something. God is not happy. Yet he will forgive. You know how much we are sinning. He that is forgiving much, loveth much. It's because you don't know how much you have sinned and you are sinning. And how much you have, you have forgiven. That's why you don't love much. You don't love him back. If you know how much God keeps forgiving, you will just love him. You will embrace him. I want to conclude by asking you to check your heart. Eh? Check your heart. Are you in line? The first and the greatest commandment. Love you, the Lord your God with all your heart. Where is the evidence? Where is your passion? Where is your zeal? What are you doing in obedience to God? To the commandments, to the things that God wants, to the things that pleases God. David was a man after God's heart, chasing after God's heart. You know the heart of God. I was talking to his sister. I said, listen, if you do quiet time, I congratulate you. If you pray, I thank God for you. But how much are you pursuing lost souls? How much is God passing through you to, you know, reach out to people? The heartbeat of God. How much are you taking it? A man after God's heart. If you love me, keep my commandments. You must show it. So as we pray, I want us to look at these dimensions that God has brought out in this message and cry to God, first of all, concerning your own life, the area that the Spirit of God has, you know, pointed out to you, then, as we pray, generally, rise on your feet and let us pray. The di dynamics of loving God. Can you respond to Him? In the ways that He has spoken to you. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. What is it that has occupied your emotion? Who is it that has taken over the place of God in your heart? What is that idol? Lando candola basandola basa. I want you to pray. Your time, your attention, your interest, your devotion, your commitment, your obedience is it to God or to the world, things of this world?
Jesus said, The world will know that I love the Father. And I keep his commandments as a evidence, as an evidence that I love him. To love God is to keep his commandments. Some sing songs of love. They say to God, I love you with all my heart, yet it's not true. Their heart is, some part of their heart is going somewhere. Will you, will, do you have a reason this evening, this night, why you should say to God, take my heart. Take all my heart. David is a, a man, was a man that chased after God. Are you chasing after God? God spoke. He said, I have found in him a man after my heart who shall fulfill all my will. That's why God said, David, my servant. Moses, my servant. Can God say, can God call your name and say you are his servant? You cannot serve two masters. Who is that master that you are serving out of love? Love is the bedrock of every relationship and service. If your relationship with God is shaking, it's because your love for Him is not fair. If your service for God is not there, it's not what it's supposed to be, the problem is your love. You can't, you can't serve two masters. No man can do it. Choose one. You want to marry. You want to have money. They are good things, but let your let your heart be for God. Let your love be for God. Alebo shalaba siriba kularabasha. Sale is lacking in the life of so many. They can't, they can't do anything on their own for God. You will push them and encourage them, yet they will not do anything. That's why sometimes you see yourself, you are following an unbeliever. Up in the name of a believer. You encourage, you will push. Where you stop is where the person will stop. You better pray that God, the person will love God. When when that new disciple loves God, you don't need to push people around who love God. When disciples love God, you don't need to push them around. They will not come late to discipleship class. They will not go late to church because of their love for God. The passion will be seen. On their own, they will be going for morning cry in evangelism. They are not being pushed. Pray for your heart. If these things are not so, In all things, God walked together for those who love him. Don't forget. Don't forget that God wants to manifest uniquely through all those that love him. Eyes has not seen. Ears has not heard. It has not entered into the heart of men. 
what God has prepared for those who love him. Blessed is man that endured temptation, persecution, suffering, tribulation, for he will have the crown of life. These are the reasons why you must see, say to God, I want, to, I want to love you. Direct my heart to the love of God. Jesus said, me and my father will love you and we will come and make our home with you. When you love, with all your heart, why will you miss all these blessings? Why? With a half-hearted Christianity, with a moderated born again like the lady talked about. Give God all your heart. There is nothing to reserve. Do you know how much he loves us? How much he has forgiven us? We keep sinning, disobeying. Things he wants us to do, we don't do. When I survey a wondrous cross on which the grace of glory died, I reach as I Forbid it, Lord, that I should go. Forbid it, Lord, that I should go.
can you say to the Lord, circumcise my heart? Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6 says, And the Lord shall circumcise your heart. For you to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Can you say to God, circumcise my heart? So that I will love you. It's a spiritual circumcision. So that I will love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. Circumcise my heart. We need to change to become men that are loving God the way God wants us to love Him. God is looking for men that love Him. They are the men that will stand the test of time. They are the men that He will use to do great and unique things on the earth. They are the men that He will. He will give the crown of life because they are the men that will endure. Lord, I want to be one of them. When a man saw the love of God for his life, he wrote a hymn and said, Take my life and let on this matter. Show us how much you have forgiven us. 
Show us how much you are still forgiving us. Show us how much you, you will yet forgive us. So that we will know how much you have loved us. And then love you much. And also have compassion on other, other people that are offending us. Knowing how much we are offending you. This love will be a natural thing flowing through us. When this revelation are down on us. Please Lord, by your spirit, walk in our hearts this night. May it not be an ordinary thing. Let there be a, a real encounter with your spirit. That we will not go the same way we came. We will be transformed men and women that have learned to love you with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Thank you for answering this prayer. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening. We trust you are blessed by God's word. This message and many more can be downloaded from our website www.calvaryonline.org For testimonies, counseling and prayers you can send an email to calvaryrevivalabels at gmail.com or call 080-6560-7999 You could also follow us on all our social media platforms at Calvary Revival Labels.